Recently, our team revisited the idea of the four domains of strength as applied to creating, building, and sustaining a healthy team culture. Ultimately, our work at Leadership Vision is centered around the idea of healthy team culture, and we thought that it might be helpful to you to sort of summarize these ideas again as you're preparing to invest in your team in the coming new year. There are links to all of this in the show notes, but today on the podcast, we're going to be briefly revisiting our discussion about the domains of strength and then prompt you with a few questions that may help improve your team health in the new year. So keep listening. You are listening to the Leadership Vision Podcast, where we share our expertise in the discovery, practice, and implementation of a strengths-based approach to people, teams, and culture. For more resources about developing your strengths, the strengths of your team, or the strengths of your entire organization, visit us on the web at leadershipvisionconsulting.com. Hello, everyone. My name is Nathan Freeberg. Welcome back to the Leadership Vision Podcast. If you are new to the concept of the domains of strength, there are basically four different categories that have been used to group the themes of strength together. Strengths that have a common way of forming relationships, influencing others, thinking things through, and getting things done. On the individual level, we use these domains of strength because they can really help people understand how the talents of each of their themes of strength form that theme and ultimately their profile. At the team level, we're finding the use of domains to be a critical element to establishing team health where everyone is responsible. Meaning, if you don't have any themes in like the relating domain, for example, that doesn't mean you get to treat everyone poorly and just ignore the complicated dynamics that are human relationships. Brian Schubring, our founder and CEO, put it this way. We are calling people to a cultural transformation that is going to involve every member of the team contributing to the building of a healthy culture. And so one of the things that we lean on in this whole lexicon of strengths is this idea of the domains of strengths, because we believe that the domains of strength help us understand how no matter what strength you have, that strength can contribute to how a team culture thinks critically, how they influence within the organization, how they get things done and how they build relationships. And what we really believe is that within this strengths movement that there needs to be this shift on team health and team culture first, asking how all the individuals of a team can contribute to healthy team culture, and then ask a strengths-based question, because what do strengths really do? Strengths inform how it is that we do these four things of building team culture. Let's begin with the executing domain. These are the hard workers and the people who get things done. Those with achiever, arranger, belief, consistency, deliberative, discipline, focus, responsibility, or restorative may feel especially at home here. As you'll hear, we don't just look at a piece of paper to determine if a team is dominant in one of these four areas. Sure, that's a starting point and it's very helpful, but we always begin with some curiosity and ask questions first. Linda Schubring describes what we listen for to determine if a group is dominant in the executing domain. We would be looking for a group that's that really values making things happen, getting things in motion, getting things accomplished. You can hear it in their vernacular. This is what we do. This is what we did. We might hear that people just have a need to implement a solution. They may understand what it means to work tirelessly 
to work excessively because that's just what they do. That's how they operate in the world. We also noticed that in if, if we're walking around the dominant domain of the executing themes of strength, we're, we're starting to notice that these are the people that catch ideas and then they make it a reality. They actually make things happen. They move and you see progress. And those are some of the things that we'd be looking for when we say, hey, what, what does it mean to be in an executing domain? So after hearing that description, maybe you're thinking your team has a lot of people with a penchant towards executing. That can be helpful information to know as you strive to build healthy team culture. Brian says that one of the best things you can do now is to ask your team what getting work done actually looks like. Probably one of the most generative conversations you can have with them is, what does getting work done look like on this team? How is it that it's being measured? Because they probably know how they're measuring it. How does it feel to part of this team where you're accomplishing great things all the time? And what does it look like when things are done? You know, how do you move on? Do you celebrate? Um, how do you make changes? So th- there are so many upsides to this conversation because once you begin to have the team feedback on how it is that they're getting work done, you're really going to understand, you know, how their relationships are growing and the potential challenges that the team faces on a weekly basis. Next, we move on to the thinking domain. Often referred to as strategic thinking, these are people with the themes of analytical, context, futuristic, ideation, input, intellection, learner, or strategic. As Linda will describe here, they often spend their time thinking about what could be. We can notice how they're keeping us focused on what could be. Because why? They're wondering into it. They're thinking about it. We often find that teams that have thinking as a dominant domain are constantly absorbing and analyzing information. They're rolling it around. They are wondering. They're wondering to themselves. They are wondering to to their teammates or anyone who will listen, (laughs) loved ones and, and even children, right? In that they help teams make better decisions. It's, it's not necessarily they're slowing people down, but rather, have, have we thought through this? Have we looked at it from this angle? And what we find is that, that teams that really think well, they're able to make better decisions, sometimes faster decisions. And teams with, with this, these strengths, they also stretch our thinking. They stretch our thinking, they, they give us a future lean, they help us imagine what could be, and it's an applied thought process that we're really seeking to detect. Now, if your team is primarily composed of thinking themes, ask them how they are thinking things through to make decisions. Ask them to share some of the elements of their thought process, and I think you'll probably find that people often have an answer. Brian says that when talking about a team culture composed primarily of critical thinkers, be careful of assumptions. The assumption is you can think things through, yep, but you can still relate strongly, you can still get a lot of stuff done, you can still have great influence, but some of the keys are how is it that we can maintain that alignment, have an attitude of openness, and make sure that what we're thinking about is being steered so that it is actionable and applicable to the most amount of people. We're now on to the third domain, the influencing domain. Activator, command, communication, competition, maximize your self-assurance, significance, and woo are the themes of strength that make up this domain. 
These are folks who help a team reach a broader audience. And Linda says that when we're trying to figure out if a team is dominant in this domain, we look for these things. We are noticing if this is a team that really does reach a broader audience, or if they find ways to sell their team's idea inside or outside of an organization. Sometimes when there is a situation that arises, people in this domain, teams that just function here, they, they have this dominant kind of influence in a group. What's important to know is that this domain comprises the least frequent of the 34 themes of strength, which means sometimes it's misunderstood. Uh, sometimes the influencing themes are just like, well, where's that coming from? I understand more about how people think or how people get work done, but what is this influencing all about? People with influence have a way of creating a belonging. They have a way of creating a purpose. They have a way of talking about and then kind of catalyzing movement. Now, we don't run across a lot of teams who are dominant in the influencing domain, but we have seen them. And your team may be one of these. If so, Brian says it's important to consider bias, boundaries, and blind spots when working with any teams that have a high influencing culture. With influencing culture, there is a strong bias on what influence actually looks like or what it, it, it feels like. And sometimes the more subtle ways of influence um, aren't necessarily noticed. Boundaries are also important because sometimes uh, teams that have an influence-based culture, uh, they're not quite sure where the boundaries should be. And sometimes that's like channeling energy in one specific direction. Healthy boundaries are very helpful in um understanding how influence can be harnessed and also blind spots again with a strong influencing culture there tends to be some blind spots on the slow developmental incremental growth um, in ex exchange for you know destination retreats or spending lots of money or, or big bold changes and so these are just things that we've learned and things that we've helped other teams work through and so it's really important for us to truly pay attention uh, to these influencing cultures in ways that are super specific while we believe that there is a strategic way to engage a team culture that is highly influential, we also believe that everyone is a person of influence. It's core to who we are as a company. No matter how you influence, we believe that everyone is a person of influence. Therefore, everyone has the potential for leadership. So that this category is important to us, not just in the strengths-based understanding of what influencing domain actually is, but in the human-based understanding of who we believe people to be, and that is people influencing other people. And finally, let's talk about the relating domain. Adaptability, connectedness, developer, empathy, harmony, includer, individualization, positivity, and relater aren't just the touchy-feely themes of strength. Oh no, often these folks are also holding the team together in one way or another. Linda describes it like this. When we try to understand a dominant domain of a group and, and we start to detect that it's maybe a, a lot of uh, folks in the relating domain. These are the, some of the things that are that we're bumping into, that we're noticing. And that is, yeah, there is a glue. There is this essential glue that holds a team together. It could be flex tape. It could be duct tape, Gorilla 
glue, whatever it is. But there's some way that this group acts that helps people stay connected and get connected and be connected through the storms of, you know, whatever a team has to face. People in this domain, there's this sense of, of care or compassion for others, for people, for the clients that this team is serving or the whole organization that this team is impacting. We also find that if we are wandering into the neighborhood of a relating domain, we start to see that that this is a group that understands how to improve the health of groups, the health of organizations. They maybe understand how to grow people or grow teams or really provide the right professional development or learning opportunities. People in the relating domain and teams that function from the relating domain, it's almost like they know needs and they find ways of bringing about connection. Often this is the easiest domain to detect. You can see it when you walk in the room. You can feel the emotional energy when you listen to the conversations. You can see things um, happening in the room that are about making room for other people to be involved. The room may be set up a certain way that's very inviting for conversation. So it's a very sensory environment and you can feel very included in that. Or you can also feel like you're on the outside because there's something that is very relationally alive in that room when a team has a dominant relating culture. Like any dominant domain, there can be obstacles to a team when their culture is primarily dominant in the relating domain. There's a link in the show notes with a lot more information about this, but one of these struggles or challenges is that this domain, this group of people that are dominant in the relating domain can be highly relational internally, but exclude outsiders. And that's probably a problem for most organizations in one way or another. So Brian wants to challenge us to pay attention to this. One of the things I think that we should be paying attention to is not just what it's like relationally within that team, but how does that team influence relationally to the organization? Because if you have a a team culture that has high relating themes, those individuals of that team will also be highly relational when they engage other entities in the organization and work with other teams. They're going to bring that relational orientation with them. And one of the things that we do through a lot of our curriculum is ask questions that lead an individual to how they're relating outside of their context. That's also important to know. This relational nature, this relational culture is carried with people as they venture into the other entities of their job and other requests that are made of them, they show up relationally. What about your team? After hearing these brief descriptions, where do you think your team falls in these domains? And, you know, maybe you even know the strengths composition of your team and you can see how you get work done, how you think things through, how you influence and relate to others. What changes might you need to make as we enter the new year to help your team culture become healthier and ultimately move the mission of your organization forward? We'd love to hear your answers, so send them to me via email, nathan at leadershipvisionconsulting.com, and perhaps we can do a live interview sometime and chat more about your team culture and share some examples about your biases, your boundaries, your blind spots, and anything else that you've learned that could be holding you back and possibly even help more teams out there achieve this. Check out our website for all sorts of great free resources as you think about investing in your team. 
My name is Nathan Freeberg. Thank you for listening to the Leadership Vision Podcast, sharing our expertise in the discovery, practice, and implementation of a strengths-based approach to people, teams, and culture. For more resources about developing your strengths, the strengths of your team, or the strengths of your entire organization, click the link in the show notes or visit us on the web at leadershipvisionconsulting.com. On behalf of our entire team, thanks for listening. Thank you.